right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Tuesday. It's January 28th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are going to be rolling through... Oh, how many games? Who could even know? Who could count these before they started the podcast? Um, I'm going to just stall here for a second. There's eight games. There were supposed to be nine. <laughs> eight games. See, that's how the pros do it, right? <laughs> they just like, what numbers? Just, uh, I'll, just, I'll just glance at the schedule as I start this thing and kind of roll off the cuff. Uh, eight games here. We're supposed to be nine, obviously. The Lakers and Clippers game has been postponed for obvious reasons. Um, as And, you know, there was a logistically, we did see that there was, uh, I saw some controversy on Sunday about, um, we know whether the NBA should have taken action to, to cancel those games on Sunday. I'm, I'm not going to probably comment on that logistically and whatever. There's a bunch of stuff. But then this one was between the Lakers and Clippers is, you know, from an easier standpoint, you know, easier to reschedule some more long lines. And obviously the Kobe thing hits both of these teams, particularly mm-hmm. the Lakers, uh, harder than others. I don't think we're going to get too much into this Kobe thing. I, you know, it's been a few days now. I talked about it at length on, on my other podcast. We got Nats. I, I found it difficult to talk about. Um, and so I don't think uh, we're going to go down that route. So if you wanted a reaction, or I don't know if people do or not, but if you wanted a reaction on that, I, I personally don't think uh, I'm going to want to go there again. I'd say it just it sucks. It sucks really bad, and I don't think that the the lasting effect from it is not just going to go away after a couple of days. I think this is going to be like seasons and years worth of just kind of uh, this thing will be felt for a long time. But I, that's my only – I don't know if you have anything else to say about that. I, I, I didn't think I wanted to get too much into it. I don't know if you wanted to make any comments about it. We can get into some of these games today. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously just awful, I think, especially for folks of our sort of generation. Uh, you're almost exactly the same age as Kobe. You're from that same general area. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit younger, but still, like, Kobe was around for – most of the time where I was a legitimate basketball fan. He was in my lineup, my first ever GPP winning lineup he was in. Um, just to, It's just bizarre to have someone go like do the retirement tour thing. And like the, the thing that gets me is like seeing his name in like the parentheses. I, I just like the 78 to 2020 sort of thing. That's yeah, it's, it's surreal. And, you know, when you follow a sport this closely, it's very, very strange to have one of the mainstays in it be just gone off the earth. It's awful. So that's yeah. my whole thing in that. Yep. And like I said, I don't think it's something that's going to go. I think we're going to be, and rightfully so, I think we'll hear about this uh, for the rest of the season. And I think there'll be other things to come with this. And I think in the, the outpouring, or whatever, I thought I didn't think I was going to get too far into it. And I, I, I guess I just don't want it. It makes me upset. And that's right. I'm not trying to avoid it. Um, sure. I've just, it's been something that's been sitting with me for the last few days. And it makes me upset when I start thinking about it. And then I start going down a rabbit hole. And that's just not good for, uh, for my mental condition. Okay. Let's get into the, let's get into t- the slate here on Tuesday. Bunch of teams going, some injury news that we have going on, some spreads that we're probably going to need to monitor in terms of blowout risk because we do have three games right now with home free favorites of more than 12 points. So we can talk about what that means for, for, our, from, um, for us from a projection standpoint and how much we worry about different teams getting buzzed off. And then um, we'll talk a little bit about some players that are maybe moving up or moving down in terms of relative safety. The first game... Uh, not a game I suspect anyone's going to want to watch from a basketball perspective, but maybe from a DFS perspective. We have the Knicks and the Hornets. Hornets are coming back. They they flew over to France to play the Bucks over the weekend. No, no, no. I can't remember. Which, maybe it was Thursday or Friday. They did an early game on the East Coast. It was, but it was being played in Europe. So they've only played one game in like the last seven or eight days or something like that. The Hornets, the Bucks, the, the, the same way. But they are two point home favorites here against the Knicks. Any thoughts from a DFS perspective? At times we've flirted with some Knicks guys. I'm always 
a little bit hesitant to do it though I can see the case <laughs> um and then and the Hornets do get a good matchup here yeah I mean so Devontae Graham is a guy that sort of comes to mind for me in a matchup like this you know we've talked about with some of these you know middling to bad teams how the main thing that you're concerned about on a night-to-night basis is just that they play their minutes and oftentimes players on not so good teams will be priced pretty lowly because their minutes are all over the place. You know, we talked about the Cavs, I think, on our last podcast when they played the Wizards, and it was sort of the same way, right, where, you know, Love and Thompson and those guys, and Sexton and Garland, if they're going to play 35 minutes, then they're good values, and if that may or may not happen or they could lose by 50, then they're not. Um, But Graham right now, he's priced below his just straight flat season averages, right? Yeah. He's 6,400 going up against the Knicks here, averaging 35 fantasy points a game. Uh, we know that his true rotation is almost exactly 36 minutes with upside if the game stays close. So, uh, you know, he's handling a lot of the, the ball handling duties, distributing, uh, creating for others. So I think I really like Graham here. You know, it's it's an eight-game slate, and we're only one game in, so we'll see how it all comes together. But uh, his he's the name that jumps out to me from Charlotte right away. Yeah, I wrote him up. I think he's a good play. Um, I Like, I'm with you on the – I think the minutes are really safe. He's pretty scoring dependent. The other stats have sort of dropped off. But, again, it's just it's just been kind of a long time. I wasn't sure if actually some of the Charlotte guys got dropped in price. Not so much on – not so much on the fact that, like, their performance hasn't been there, but it's just been kind of a long time since they played. I, I wonder how much, like, the <laughs> calendar has sometimes to do with it, like, just where days where things go by and, like, the price comes down. I'm not sure about that. But, uh, yeah, I did write up Graham. I think Rozier is probably, you know – sort of in play they started Batum last game but I can't tell if they started Batum because that was a France thing because he's like from there or because like they actually want to play him so I'm not, I'm not totally positive to French heritage. yeah and then the, you can't trust this, the center situation with Zeller or Biombo. they don't play enough minutes on the right. Knicks side you know uh we played Peyton in cash Alfred Peyton in cash against the the Nets the other day on Sunday he only played 30 minutes but the game actually wasn't all that close it was kind of getting toward a blowout at the end I don't mind him and then, you know, what are your thoughts on Marcus Morris? So Marcus Morris is a guy that's, at least for our system's concern, is he's like almost always a little too cheap. But he's a little too cheap in, in the way that sometimes shooting guards are a little too cheap because they're so scoring dependent. So you, the typical right. point, the shooting guard, the traditional shooting guard, like um, I'm, I'll think of some names here, like Eric Gordon is like this. Uh, Lou Williams at it for a time was like this. Clay Thompson had been like this for times. The traditional shooting guard derives so much of their fantasy value from just scoring the ball. That's usually not the case with a lot of other positions, except Marcus Morris is like that too. Something like 65% of his fantasy value comes from just scoring, which is really rare from like a, for a big guy. Like he's not a shooting guard. You know, at worst, he's a small forward. Which well, just doesn't do anything defensively. Like one of the right. most hilarious things when you look at Marcus Morris's game log. So from January 7th forward, it looks like around 10 games, four combined blocks and steals in that time. Right. <laughs> like that's a total embarrassment he's averaging one and a half assists on the season so yes I, I think you can safely qualify him as scoring dependent yeah so the other and just by the way just real quick we'll move on from this game but the other guys in that in that range of like how they derive their fantasy points around Marcus Moritz are guys like Dennis Schroeder or Bradley Beal or you know mm-hmm. Kyle Kuzma I, I take it back maybe some of these maybe some of these bigger guys in these teams like the wing guys fall into this category more anyway this is the reason that I I think he kind of something pops up maybe more than he should at, at his price point because the price just never gets there because he never goes completely ballistic because he doesn't do the other stuff to go really hit the top end from a fantasy perspective you need to pile on some other stats here and there and he just doesn't see them do it I don't mind Julius Randle although the price is coming up on him as well, and that's really all the Knicks that I'm interested in. Uh, let's move on to Golden State and Philly. 
this game has a 13 and a half over under, excuse me, 13 and a half spread in, on Philly's side. And that to me signals that Joel Embiid is going to play. Right now he's questionable. He's set out with a dislocation in the finger for a couple weeks now. Um, he's questionable right now, but this line to me makes me feel like Embiid is going to be back. Uh, we're going to have the news early on, so I'm not too worried about that. If he's back, does that kind of dumpster all the Philly guys for us just because the price on the prices and then the fact that we it's sort of I feel like we've been buying on Philly guys mostly because of no Embiid up to this point. Yeah, I think I mean, so yes, if he does come back, it's going to make it hard to roster any of those other guys just because Embiid's been out for a significant stretch. He's such a presence on the court that uh, redistributing his usage and rebounds, especially the guys like Horford, winds up making a pretty big difference. And so his return would certainly hurt the rest of those guys. Um, I'm not sure that the line necessarily confirms his return. Like the, the Sixers are seven and three in their last ten. They're still a very strong right. team without Embiid, and Golden State is just you know not a competitive team this year. So I I don't know that it necessarily confirms that, but. Hopefully this is an early game. We'll, we'll know this in advance of locking. Yeah, so uh, yeah. either way, I think we'll have the information. I do think these Philly guys are probably getting a little expensive anyway. Guys like Tobias, guys like Ben Simmons, and then obviously Al Horford have been the big beneficiaries up until this point without him uh, around. So either way, Shake Milton did get the start last game at uh, for Josh Richardson, and it was actually pretty productive from a fantasy perspective. I'm not sure what to totally make of the line. He rebounded a lot. It's hard to it's hard to translate one game's worth of production onto a guy just going forward. So I probably would still take a wait and see approach on Milton on the Warriors side. Look, they just lose every game, so I'm not really sure what there what there is to be done there. They guys like Draymond will play 30 minutes or so at times. They did start Marquise Crisp after the trade from of Willie Cauley Stein. Chris started at center but didn't really play any minutes. So I really, the guys, the only minutes guys you can really trust here, D'Angelo Russell, he did play, he seems to get his 33 to 34, whether they're losing or not. Uh, Draymond, 30-ish, and then maybe Glenn Robinson after that. It's, uh, I'm not really sure. I don't really want to play any of these guys in cash anyway, but I'm just kind of making no. a general note about who to, who, if you were going to even like try to hit some upside on the guys, these are the guys that actually run the minutes. 7.30, New Orleans goes in and plays Cleveland. I wrote him up. I, 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 I tend to think that the minutes restriction on Zion is coming off here. He Ooh. played 27 minutes last game. The guy's been absolutely unbelievable. He played 27 minutes last game. He went for 21 and 11 with two mm -hmm. assists, uh, steal. And then the game before that was the one where he had just the crazy block where he just did like back in the like last year at Duke where he just blocked someone just completely into the stands on, a, on like a floater. Can we play Zion in cash? Uh, if, if 27 to 28 minutes is the reality here, 6,300 on FanDuel. Yeah. It just seems like a cash play. I mean, what are your thoughts here on Zion? And then what what does the emergence of Zion's minutes do for you for like the rest of the Pelicans' projections here? Right, yeah. So for starters, I do think Zion's a cash play. If you assume, as I do, that the the minutes will keep coming up, he's going to be an $8,000 player in very short order if he ever tops 30 minutes. So I think we're still certainly getting a bargain here. And also, it's not like, like if they were going up against Philly, I would be a little bit more hesitant, but going up against Cleveland is just a phenomenal spot. Like, <laughs> this is a Cleveland team that's um, second worst in the NBA in terms of just overall fantasy points allowed to opposing players, and they're right there in the top five in terms of fantasy points allowed to opposing bigs, too. So, yeah, this is a just an absolute top-tier matchup for him. Uh, obviously, Kevin Love will just be embarrassed to be on the court with him if he draws a defensive assignment. Um, it'll be tough for Thompson to... Chase Zion's apparent inside-outside game, too. So I think it's it's just a great spot for him. Yes, I would happily play him. 
Yeah, he led, no, sorry, he was second on the team in shots last game in 27 minutes. Uh, Drew Holiday took 20, Zion took 16. I think, you know, if, you're, if anyone's taking a hit here, it's Brandon Ingram, whose price is still pretty far up there based on playing tons of minutes and getting a lot of usage when the Pelicans were just struggling with injuries across the board, not just Zion. They've had a lot of injury issues so far this year. I think if, if we're going to say someone's probably getting a little too expensive for Zion coming around, it, to me it probably would be Ingram. Uh, so that's probably where I'd want to ding them because, like, right now, in terms of our system, we're way over on their total. They have a 120 and a half uh, projected total yeah. right now. We're at like 130, and we're gonna, we're, we're gonna have, we'll trend that down based on when we get a little bit more on court, off court stuff. But the Zion thing definitely does hurt other players. I don't mind Drew Holiday here only because it's a pretty really good matchup against a really really weak fr uh, front court. For, excuse me, back court for uh, the Cavs between Garland and Sexton. What about the Cavs going the other way though? You, um, New Orleans still represents well, tantamount to one of the best DFS matchups you can get in the league. They're eight-point underdogs. They stink. and But at the same time, this is a really good matchup. What are your thoughts here on the Cavs? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll touch on the Cavs in a second. I just wanted to back up that Drew Holiday play um, and point people to how he performed when Davis was on the team, which he easily sustained uh, being an $8,000 player. So I think Zion, Zion's emergence, as it were, is not going to hurt. Holiday at a $7,300 price tag in a great matchup. So I really like that play. Um, going the other way, I think, you know, it's kind of the same story as when we talked about the Cavs going up against Washington. Um, it's always going to be a minutes thing. We saw it play out almost exactly this way with Love, right? He played 33 minutes against Washington, fine on this price. 32 against Chicago, good on this price. And then lost minutes against Detroit when they, you know, the game didn't go his way and uh, didn't pay the price. So they're going to be volatile guys because Cleveland is simply so bad that it's hard for them to put it together. I don't know that power forward is sort of where you need uh, to take a risk on a guy like Love, but I wouldn't be opposed to it on its face. Uh, and right now, yeah, our system is thinking hard about playing Tristan Thompson. Um, Thompson is just basically underpriced, like dramatically on FanDuel relative to his full season production. He's averaging almost 6x points per dollar on this price. And while the minutes can absolutely come and go on him too, if you figure you get 30-ish minutes with 35-minute upside, he could be a great value. So I don't know if he's a big tournament. I mean, he's definitely a great big tournament center. Um, and you can make a strong case for him in cash too, I think. Yeah, the problem with the, his minutes recently has just been they've run into blowouts. and I mean, unbelievably, they blew out the Pistons last night. So um, go figure on that one. The Pistons were playing without Derrick Rose and really any talent to speak of. So well, the Pistons have their own issues, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, yeah. So I'm just saying, I'm mostly just pointing to the fact that like these, when you look at the 26, 27, 21 minutes on Tristan Thompson, these are have been weird game scripts. That being said, Cavs are going to get themselves into more weird game scripts than other teams, mostly on the losing side because they're bad. So I'm with you. 5,500 on Thompson does feel very, very cheap. It doesn't feel like much needs to go right for him to hit value, and a lot can, um, and, and not even that much needs to go right for him to really hit value on this price. Like the game stays close, and he plays 33 minutes against a relatively undersized Pelicans team for as you know as fun as they are as to watch. They don't have a ton of size when they're starting favors at center. So I think that he's very close to a cash game play here. Uh, and I guess one other guy to just keep an eye on is Lonzo. Lonzo's had, since, since Zion hit the court, he's had 12, 6, and 15 assists in the last three games. So um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's going to be a one-to-one -one translation of just having a guy like this that can run the court, that can finish around the rim, if that's going to be something that just continues to buoy the assist numbers. But uh, I, would, I would just definitely keep an eye on that. And they've easily been wanting to run him a lot of minutes. 39, 34, 39, 36, 36 over the last five. So Alonzo's playing a ton too. So getting his chance, tons of assists. Um, I think there's upside on that 
And I do think the, the Zion thing helps him there. And I guess the last thing I've been going on and on about this, but um, the backcourt guys of Sexton and Garland are in good spots. If you think this thing becomes a track meet, it's 233 is the over-under. That is the second highest of the slate. One more 730 game. Atlanta goes into Toronto. Toronto's a 12-point favorite. Atlanta represents the, almost the very best matchup you can get from a DFS standpoint. Absolutely horrendous on defense. One of the worst defenses in the league and plays, I think, the, thir- I think the third worst defense, third fastest pace in the league. So that's the, really the exact mashup of stats that you want to get when you're just looking to game stack. But you also have a Toronto team that's 12-point favorites at home with really big blowout risk. When we run our lineups right now, we do get Lowry, Van Vliet, Siakam, and Gasol is close. Um, in lineups, would you be worried about a full Toronto stack simply from the blowout, or is just the, is the matchup just too good here? I think the matchup is strong enough that I can't worry about it too much. And like Toronto's been one of these teams all season long that it will just leave their guys out there. Like Fred Van Vliet missed significant time, comes back three games later, he's playing 41 minutes against Philly, 39 minutes two nights later, 40 minutes two nights after that. Like I don't think they're a team that's really worried about resting anyone for any you know, big events in the future. So, yeah, I think you can play these Toronto guys with a pretty clear conscience. And, you know, we haven't gotten to all of the games yet, but there's a lot of game script concerns tonight, right? So uh, typically when we look, when we're trying to evaluate slates like these on a high level, we're trying to figure out, you know, where, like, is it necessary to take a risk on a guy in a game that might be in a blowout? Are there really good games with tight point spreads elsewhere? The way tonight's sort of shaping up so far is that while there's, like okay plays from the New York Charlotte game and the New Orleans Cleveland game that a lot of the good plays are going to come in these potential blowout games. And I think at that point, you just kind of look at what teams have done in the past and say, okay, yeah, I guess I can roll the dice here. Yeah. I think that I think from a, just from a standpoint of where does the blowout come from as well? It comes from these guys, right? It comes from this group yeah. of guys. And I think there's just such an incredible floor. on guys. I'd be a little worried about Lowry. The minutes have been there, um, but his definitely uses has dropped off significantly, or not significantly, but has dropped off some. Van Vliet does really cut into his production. Sure. That being said, 7,300 for Lowry, 75 for Van Vliet. Siakam, 76 is kind of a joke of a price, I would say, because the minutes restriction was definitely off last game. He played 37 minutes last game. That price has not come up enough. And so right. I want to say we were, we were ahead of the curve on that one, which I'm happy about. We played him on Sunday very under and he had maybe one of his best games of the season. So um, I have no problem with it. I think if you're looking yeah, where the blowout's going to come from, it's definitely going to come f- from around this group. Gasol is there as well. And like I said, and then you get you, you can have your cake and eat it too. If they're going to be part of the blowout, then it's a very good chance it came from these guys. If the game stays close, even better. Like if, So if, if Atlanta – and Atlanta can, for as bad as they are, they can hang. Like they can score enough to hang, right? They just can't finish because the defense is so atrocious. But they can't. there are Trey Young games that keep them close. Any thoughts here on Atlanta? Young has played a lot, had an absolutely unbelievable game on Sunday. Uh, guys like Herder have been okay. I get a little worried about the John Collins minutes. I keep waiting for it to go back to just 35 minutes a game, and I just don't think that John Collins version is walking back through the door. But could you see playing any of these Atlanta guys? Yeah, I think people will be tempted by Young. Um, I'm a little bit more hesitant. You know, the incredible game against Washington, as great as it was, was against Washington, who <laughs> were one yeah. of the worst teams in the league. I'm sort of buoyed by... Young's assists recently, yeah, though, crazy like, that's numbers. The, the thing I'm trying to parse right now is the fact that, like, they almost have him in a in a Lucas style role where they're like, "You just do everything. You're yeah. going to shoot, and when it's not you shooting, we want you to pass to the guy who shoots." That's that's all we really care about right now because it's really been incredible. And if you turn back the clock, you know, a week basically, you see that Toronto game where he did put up 42, 
six and fifteen against this exact roster about a week ago. So I don't think it's that outrageous at all to play young here. Um, you know, you could argue that he's a little bit underpriced potentially if you think these the double digit assists are the new norm for him because uh, you know he hasn't really been doing that all season. So yeah, I think there's a, a reasonable case to be made that you can run him out there. It is a pretty bad matchup with Toronto. Uh, I think he's an obvious inclusion if you want to, like if you're going to play Toronto in big tournaments, I think you you really should just include Young as a part of that stack because if those guys really go off, it's going to be because Trey's going off on the other side. So Yeah, totally um, agree. He's 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 like, the rebounds aren't totally there, but although he, I mean, eight, six, eight, two, and six over the last three what, games. What's the guy got to do? He's a yeah. short point guard. He's going to get six and eight rebounds. Well, some of these teams, some of these teams too, like they're incentivized to have these guards like Harden, like this, obviously Westbrook, uh, Trey Young, even yeah. Curry at times. They're incentivized to have these guards rebound because it starts them with the ball. It just starts them ahead of the curve when it comes to cross matching right. and just getting picking and choosing your matchups coming down the court. Like the quicker you can get the ball into that guy's hands, and that way is to just get him the rebounds. Um, really does make a defensive problem, and I think that is also you know what facilitates some of the assists too. Is that teams spend so much time concentrating on him that when his other guys. It's mostly because it's like Herder and Collins and guys like this. When they can finish, like guys like Reddish have problems with this. But when guys, when they are healthy and have guys that can finish, the, the, amount, of, the amount of attention defenses pay Young can capitalize itself on assists. So, yeah, the assist numbers are probably a little high from like a means projection standpoint going forward. And he just turned himself into one of the best fantasy plays in the league. And he's on a terrible team. So, oh, he's going to start the All-Star game too. So, congratulations to him. Like the well, I was going to say, the, the Hawks right now threatening to catch – they're only a game behind Cleveland and New York for dead last in the league. So and he's starting the um, All Star. I, I can I can I can understand some of the people that were like a little bit annoyed by something like this when like guys like Simmons and guys like Butler like don't start the All Star game. The team's been really good, and then this guy's just like I can do that in a bad team. <laughs> you know, like he's like I can put up these numbers if I was just the only guy that did something. I can understand that only when there's contract incentives and stuff like that, like sort of tied to who you're gonna start in the sure. All Star game. All right. Before we get to the eight o'clock game, let's get to a sponsor, the mm. Athletic. You've heard us talk about these guys. Uh, in terms of a subscription-based sports service, sports content service that sounds weird in this day and age to kind of pay for your content on the internet. And we've said it before that we've gotten internet free stuff on the internet for so long that paying for words and, and media at this point feels a little odd. Because I think also people tend to think that they get their ESPN for free too. Uh, I, I, I know you don't, but I think people have that in their mind because that cable bill just kind of gets gets stamped each month and that ESPN is included in. So there's a, I think there's a idea that, oh, I get Fox and ESPN media stuff for free. Well, you don't really, but I think people have it in their minds that that's the way it really happens. So paying for a subscription for sports content, I think maybe will feel weird for people, but I just got to tell you, it's just so worth it. If you're a sports fan, basketball stuff is the absolute best in the business between guys. You, you, I, I should... If I could have dinner with a basketball guy, I think it would just be John Hollinger. I just like I just absolutely am becoming it's obsessed adorable. with this guy. It is adorable. Um, <laughs> he's just he just it's so good. He seems so relatable too when you listen to his podcast. So My John Hollinger, you. if you're if you hear if, you, if John Hollinger, if you stumble on this, I'd love to buy you a beer. So okay, I'm, not, I'm only gonna do it through the podcast. I'm not gonna reach out to him in the. Doug, if I had to have dinner with any NBA expert, I, it would just be you. Okay, Bob. You've gotten that. And you've gotten there too. And then oh man, I wonder if John Hollinger is saying the same thing about me. The uh, so anyway, the Athletic is the subscription-based service that you've really been looking for. In-depth coverage, local writers, like I mentioned Shams, I mentioned Hollinger, Vecino, they're all these guys um, are doing stuff for the NBA. Zach Harper's great. They have the football guys you've heard of, like Glazier, Mike Lombardi, uh, Mike Sando. Uh, no ads, no pop-ups, no clickbait, sports writing with that's just about the best in the business, exclusive player profiles, analytics, power rankings, even fantasy sports stuff. You're going to get Q&As. You're going to get a live feed that's going to be tailored just for you uh, on the teams and the sports that you want to read about. 
and then they're gonna, it'll kind of pop to the top so you're getting the content that you want. And if you're ready to get started with The Athletic, right now you can get 40% off a yearly subscription to the at theathletic.com. You gotta add the V at the begin, the beginning. Mm-hmm. Theathletic.com slash overtime, just like the network that we're on, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, for 40% off that yearly subscription. It's completely worth it. You'll stick with them once you start reading this stuff. You'll just realize you're getting insight that is not out there for the lay fan. You'll impress your friends and your, not your family so much because they probably don't care as much, but we'll just say your friends. At theathletic.com slash overtime will get you started. All right, 8 o'clock games. Denver goes into Memphis. This game is a 225 over-under. One-point favorite for Denver on the road against Memphis. Who would have ever thought something like this would ever occur? But this is the case. This is what we're getting in a world where Memphis has just completely – outstripped anyone's even even most reasonable or maybe even hottest take um, <laughs> like thought of what this team could be before the season started if this if the playoffs started right now i believe they're still there memphis oh, would yeah. be in the playoffs they're two, game, they're two games up yeah so this game this this is one of the real feel-good stories for the season uh with guys like john morant just really leading the way but we're not i'm not worried about blowout here Memphis still represents a very good DFS matchup. Uh, right now, Jeremy Grant got a lot of minutes last game, and Porter got a lot of minutes off the bench as they're still playing without Millsap, and they don't have Mason Plumlee either. What are your thoughts here on this Denver and Memphis game? I t- take it back. It started off with Denver as a one-point favorite, and it has flipped right now to Memphis as a one-point oh. home, favorite, home favorite, 113 to 112 implied total. What are your thoughts here on this game? I'm going to take the Denver side. I'm just betting that. <laughs> That's my, my first side. I think Memphis is a great feel-good story this season. They have a minus 2.3 point differential in a year. Like uh, They're getting hot recently. I know that with young players, it's not necessarily fair to look at the last 46 games as all being equal, but I like the Denver side of that one. That's 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 my little... Uh, we used to have sponsors, bookie sponsors, right? If we still had one of those, I'd be taking the Denver side here. That being said, uh, for our DFS purposes, the main thing that we care about is, is this game going to be close enough to warrant us running out DFS plays, and I say, sure, (laughs) this this looks totally fine. So um, from a DFS perspective, though, are you seeing a lot that sort of jumps off the page at you? Because while Memphis has been a feel-good story, they've now been running out a pretty consistent lineup for a little while, and young and exciting players tend to get somewhat overpriced. Um, So I'm seeing like reasonable price tags on guys like Morant, um, but I'm not seeing huge value jumping off the page against a really tough defensive matchup in Denver. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think I think for the most part we've gotten fair pricing on this Denver injury stuff over the last week or so, right? right? Like guys like Jeremy Grant have really come up in price. Um, it's hard for these guards to get. It's hard for the guards to really outperform expectation when the offense completely runs through Jokic. So they're not, you know, yeah. they started Monte Morris for a little while, then they kind of went back to Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig doesn't really do much at all from a fantasy perspective. Will Barton shots really haven't been there. I think people thought that he was going to see a lot more usage and that just really has not been the case at all. He did have some foul trouble last game uh, when they played against the Rockets. And then they have Gary Harris back, which cuts into it a little bit, but he's not getting enough minutes to really warrant it. So I think really you just reached a point where, and of course, like by the way, if they don't start Monty Morris last game, and then that's when he goes plays 35 minutes and goes <laughs> 17, 7, and 4. And, but, yeah. but, that, but, but it also makes sense, right? Because like, he's more of just an on-the-ball, want-to-get-to-the-bucket kind of scorer um, and, and you know hit some threes, and that's just not going to be what is happening when you're sharing the court more with Jokic, right? So like he needs to kind of stagger some of those minutes. So I think that's just where you where I kind of land with Denver at this point. I'm just not really 
from a price perspective, not all that interested in. And if and if I thought Jokic was going to play 30, he played 38 minutes last game. If I thought he was going to play 37 minutes in this game, then he would be a cash game play for me. I just don't trust that that's the case going every game, right? There's too many season over season, too many 33 or bust minutes out of Jokic. So would you agree with that? After having you know yeah. having audited minutes for years on this guy, like the 38 minutes that you got out of him last game is just not. You can't pencil him in for 38 minutes, right? Well, that was yeah. directly correlated to Grant playing fewer minutes against Houston. Um, you know, Grant had been playing more like a 31 to 34 minute rotation. He played 29 minutes against Houston. So I think, and I think it actually works the other way too. Like I think Grant at 6,000 actually looks pretty affordable if you assume that that's the minutes that he's going to get, but, or if you assume that he'll get the 34 minutes, but if he plays the 29, uh, you might wind up being pretty unhappy. So it's, uh, I don't know if you can avoid these guys altogether. I guess we'll have to see because right now, you know, we still have like Horford in the lineups and that's probably going to change. Uh, once we get definitive Embiid news, uh, Zion at 100% start in cash games, but that second slot is still looking pretty dicey to me. So I won't rule him out, but I don't. It's not a place I would want to start. Yeah, he'll probably Jokic and the, a couple of these guys. Maybe I'll take a little firmer look on the minutes. I, I think we're pretty close as it is right now. I, and I don't want to go. I don't want to be really robust. But I don't want to give Monty Morris 33 minutes off the bench, right? No. Like I just you can't you just can't do that. I know he had a really good game last game. But I just really that's just too that's too tough a pill to swallow for a team that looked like they had some weirdness around fouls last game too. So something to keep an eye on. And then the Memphis side, Jay Crowder's questionable. Kyle Anderson got the start last game, was decent from a fantasy perspective, really rebounded the position well. Uh, he just there's too many. He's a guy that can go out there and do absolutely nothing for long stretches. Oh, yeah. So I want I want I want I do we I avoided him last game, and of course he had just a great rebound in the game. So I was like, well, this is I don't know, this is my comeuppance for finally just not wanting to do it on the Kyle Anderson thing. But uh, I, I'd be fine not playing him again if you got the start. I think the rebounds were a little bit um, a little bit of an outlier. And then the rest of these guys, they even Morant's, Morant's having a great season. JJJ's having a great season too, but they just they don't want to play these guys 30. They're, they're winning despite not playing them a lot of – in spite of not playing these guys a lot of minutes. So that's just not really what the – that's not really what Memphis wants. To and do. Denver just a bottom five matchup in the league too. Like yep. You just don't need – you don't need a lot of other excuses to not play these guys other than the fact that – they're priced somewhat appropriately right now, and they have a bad matchup. Like that's that's probably just enough. Right? Boston goes in and plays Miami. Miami is on the back-to-back here. They Boston. The injury news on this one is Jason Tatum is doubtful for this game. He sat out the last couple games, and Enos Cantor is going to at least sit out one more game. So Boston playing shorthanded. They have concentrated the minutes around uh, the starters. Being Kemba, the usage has been absolutely through the roof on Kemba for the last two games, uh, and Daniel Thies has. Or Tice, I gotta get his name. I always say his name. Tice, wrong. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah Daniel Tice has uh, played a lot of minutes. Like he's played, he, they really need to call him into like 30 minutes a game over the last couple because they just have no more bigs left. Tough matchup here against Miami, though. And I still probably tend to think probably Kemba's a cash play. Tice is probably a cash play, though he's getting a little bit expensive. And then we have guys like Hayward and even Jalen Brown. Uh, what are your thoughts on Boston? We we always want to target them with one of the big guys is sitting. I don't mean just big. I just mean like one of the guys that's relevant from uh, scoring and fantasy perspective is sitting, and that would be that would qualify here with Tatum. But is Miami does Miami represent the matchup that you want to do that in? What are your thoughts here on Boston? Yeah, Kem is a tricky one because you know we were sort of having to talk ourselves into playing him at sixty three hundred <laughs> like a, a couple right. weeks ago, and now he's eight thousand. But the usage really has been there, and I think when they're short on personnel, especially one of those other of their sort of big three between Brown, Tatum, and, and Walker. When one of those big guys is out, it's it really does flow out to the rest of them. And I and I still wonder about Brown's total health here as well because 
you know, he played last game, but he wasn't, and he scored, but he wasn't like particularly active. Um, you know, so 36 minutes against New Orleans, 20 points, two rebounds, one assist, no blocks, one steal. Like right. he just wasn't that big of a factor. So I wonder if he's not still dealing with a little bit of something as well. So yeah, I think Kemba is still a reasonable play here. Uh, outside of him, it's a really brutal matchup against Miami. And while somebody's got to dribble the ball up and down the court and try to take shots, and I think that guy will be Walker, I don't know if you need to kind of force the issue with the rest of these guys who incidentally are, they're not priced to Tatum being out specifically, but they're priced to somebody else big being yeah. out. And I don't, like for Hayward, for instance, he's been this price um, over the last couple of weeks when, you know, a mix of Brown and Tatum have been out. And he gets there in good matchups and then kind of just doesn't in bad ones. So I don't think uh, I don't think you need to prioritize him at all. Yeah, I, th- I tend to agree. When, when you said like someone's been out, they've been dealing with so many injuries that they've had. Like you know, unlike the Embiid thing, where everyone's come up in price based on Embiid being out, these guys have all kind of come up in price on Jalen Brown being out a little bit, or Jason Tatum being out a little bit. And um, so there, you know, real quick, just like one or the other, uh, Kemba at eight thousand on Fanduel or Kyle Lowry at seventy three hundred. That, that's actually really close because we didn't get to this in the Toronto game. Lowry probably is my least favorite among those Toronto plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way it could wind up shaking out for me is that I'm playing something like you know, Van Vliet, Siakam, and maybe even Gasol, and then not running Lowry alongside those. I'll, I'll say Kemba, but it's it's very, very close to me. Yeah, I was just trying to throw out a guy like that was in the range that we had talked about before. No, that's, uh, that's close because I... I I like Lowry less than I think I probably should. And well, I have another one for Lowry because I'm actually wondering about Lowry. We're going to finish off these last two games in a sec. The uh, Lowry or Alonzo Ball, 73 or 70, 7, 7, 73 on Lowry, 7,000 on Ball, FanDuel. See, I'll take Lowry on that side because I think the Ball issue, like I think there is another shoe to drop here with Zion, and I think that we're going to see you know, guys like Alonzo Ball or Derek Favors, Josh Hart, you know, guys that – have been in and out of lineups depending on whether they're starting or whether they're not. I think that Zion could start to really eat into those secondary pieces. So I will say Lowry there. Okay. But mostly uh, just because I don't want to play Lonzo Ball. Either. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo were kind of chalk plays. It was sort of by default last night. For some, we didn't have them in lineups, um, but the just because we went a different direction. But it was sort of by default based on some of the other savings you were getting elsewhere. Anything you like on th- these two guys? Kendrick Nunn did sit out last game. Uh, did out, did, excuse me, did sit out last night, and he's questionable for tonight. But they did get Dragic back. Anything you like on the on the Miami side? Quickly, we have a couple more games left. Yeah. So with Butler, he's been doing the exact same thing all season. He scores almost exactly five x points per dollar on his current FanDuel price, and that's going to make him a decent play in great matchups and a not a good play in bad ones. This is one of those bad ones. Uh, I don't think that I'll need to play him whatsoever. Uh, Adebayo, you know, just been kind of doing his thing all season long, too. Absolute pleasure to watch. Incredible player. Uh, You could say literally the exact same thing about him that I did against Butler, which is same role all season, basically same price all season, averaging almost exactly 5x on this price all season, and uh, just kind of a slow, not-so-great matchup. So um, if you think that the Celtics are weaker now down low, like if Tatum's out, you know, no canter, then I can see you know, building up a case for Adebayo around that. And maybe, you know, he is that second power forward we're looking for after Zion. But I, it's not like such an exciting play that I'm just going to lock him in and see what else I can fit in. 
Yeah, fair enough. I think I kind of mirror all those thoughts. Uh, final two games, Washington goes in and plays Milwaukee. Milwaukee was on that Europe road trip. Uh, well, I guess that's not a road trip at that point. The Europe air trip uh, across the, the pond. And they, but, so they have only played one time in the last week as well. 16-point home favorites here over a Washington team that we've said is maybe the worst DFS predictive team ever. And I know we've said that in the past. Like, I know I've been like, I'm never talking about the Kings again, or I'm never talking. There's always that one year I do the stupid thing. Like, the I'm magic. Not, the magic. Got. Yeah, like I'm just like not yeah. going to do it with this team. I think the, I think the Wizard. I, I, I'd have to go back and talk to like 2016 Doug maybe, you know, or 2017 Doug to kind just of – show him the game locks. Exactly. Just to be like, I know you think it's bad right now with Dave Yeager and these <laughs> Kings, and I get it. Um, I totally get it. They played like 14 minutes, and the starters – that happened once. These guys do it every game with the starters. <laughs> so, like, so I get I get that you're frustrated, pal, but wait till wait four years from now. Um, and then there's other stuff that's going on too. I don't even want to tell you about that stuff. Just look at this Kings thing. The uh, but I mean, excuse me. Look at this Wizard thing. Trump gets elected president. There's a oh, lot coming down the pipe. <laughs> there's a lot that you never. There's a lot you never would have thought in a million years would have happened. Um, so, but I really want to focus on this Wizard thing most first and foremost. Buy Bitcoin. The, uh, yeah, keep. <laughs> we, can, we can keep doing the whole list if you want. The um, okay, so I'm just writing them off. But with a 16 point favorite, 16 point spread on this game. Obviously, Giannis is the guy that we're mostly wanting to focus on. What are your thoughts here on? I mean, can we is there? We can't play these guys in cash, right? This game could be over by halftime. It could be over by halftime. Yeah, um, you know, Giannis is one of those guys that can pay his price by halftime. So that's the <laughs> one, the one extenuating circumstance here. I think uh, the rebounding has just been embarrassing uh, for his opponents in the last month or so. Just double digit rebounds. Against Brooklyn, he gets 12 rebounds in 25 minutes. Uh, like he's, he's an absolute animal. Everything that needs to be said about him has been said already, but um, I think he's more of a big tournament play as of this point for me. Just because I think you can get, you know, like I, I think Siakam for us, for instance, is basically a lock, right? And then you only have one more small forward slot left after that. And I think there's just so much good mid-range value that taking a risk, investing so much salary in a game that could have a 20-point spread, just seems to not be where I, I would want to land tonight. So obviously the big tournament implications are excellent, especially if you pair him with some of these speculative cheap plays that we've talked about so far. But I don't think you necessarily need to do it for cash. The so the Bucks. This is not a DFS thing. The Bucks have a twelve point six point differential plus twelve point six point differential right now. Mm-hmm. The difference between their point differential and the number two team, which is the Lakers at seven point two, is the same difference of the Lakers and the fourteenth team. In the league, this is how much further above the Bucks are at this point. It's like this is just unbelievable video game style stuff. They are so good now. What's going to happen in the playoffs? I don't know, but from a regular season standpoint, this team is absolutely destroying people. It's just so, it's you know so their their point differential is like two points better than the seventy three win Warriors team. Yeah, I, this is like they just can't. <laughs> I I really hope it translates to them making the final. I, like I I don't want to hear. I, just, I really need them to make the finals because I don't want to hear like the old your thing only works in the regular season thing, like which is I, I find to be you know silly, but I guess there's some context to it. But uh, I, at this point, I really just I kind of I'm, I'm rooting very hard for the the Bucks to make. Shout the finals. out by the way to the, the if the Bucks had wind up with the best point differential of all time, that's great. The 92-93 Mavericks Doug minus 15.2. That would be the worst uh, point differential of all time. So good. rough times there in Dallas. All right, let's <laughs> let's finish this thing off. Last game of the slate, Phoenix goes and plays Dallas. Dallas is coming on the back-to-back right now. They're seven-point home favorites. This game is a 227.5 total. 
Uh, Ricky Rubio is questionable right now. Now, the good news on this slate is, which I didn't really mention at the beginning, every game starts Every game starts between 7 and 8.30. So there's some chance we have almost every piece of injury news in at locks. There's no late, game, no late West Coast games on this slate, which is nice. Um, now, like we have Doncic coming on this game. He's coming on the back-to-back. He's still just been an absolute animal from a fantasy perspective. They lose Dwight Powell. They, went, they go small. So they move Chris Stapps up to the five and have been starting Seth Curry. They did trade for Willie Cauley-Stein, but he didn't even get off the bench last night. Now, that could have been because he just wasn't prepped and hadn't practiced enough. So I'm not sure if we see a starting lineup change because they are going to face DeAndre Ayton in this game. And, you know, they had Steven Adams, but Adams, I guess, is not like the problematic offensive piece. Ayton, maybe they do make a change. Thoughts here on the Dallas side outside of Doncic, or is Doncic a cash game play for you? And then um, we can talk quickly about Phoenix. Sure, yeah. So I would happily play Doncic tonight. I think you can... Um, pretty easily play him at 11,000. Uh, the luster has kind of been off a little bit recently, and I, I guess I'm curious to know your thoughts there because he was such a tour de force, automatic cash game play at like 11.8 um, for a very significant stretch, basically right up until the first week in, December, or in January. And then he went on a very cold streak uh, in, against some tough opponents, Denver, LA, and Philly. Uh, then kind of hasn't exactly gotten the mojo back, right? He's got He's sprinkled in some really excellent games, but he's definitely he's just not doing like the hey I'm gonna average a triple double on the season sort of thing or or even a facsimile of that recently uh, with just 12 total assists in his last two games. Are we you know with young player with, in the NBA one of the lessons we've learned over time is it's not usually good practice to change your priors right You're yeah. like you start with a guy here's who he is he's probably gonna be that and unless there's a change in opportunity you know big star goes down on his team or he gets more minutes. Uh, or he gets injured, he's just going to be the guy that he is. But with young players, it's not always exactly like that, right? Like we're talking about, we have Trey and Luca, uh, two guys that are going to always be mentioned in the same breath. You know, one guy we're talking about being willing to sort of change the priors in a positive direction in young, and one guy I am submitting that maybe we should lower them a little bit. What are your feelings on that? Is he, is he the, is he the average of what he's been this season, or is he? Closer to what he's been recently in your mind. Uh, I would say he's been the average of what he's been this season. I mean, we could say maybe some okay. defenses have made adjustments to him, but um, you know, you can't you have to say the same thing about Young, and he's been working out for him. So I think you just need at this point, kind of just need to take the average and just say this is kind of what he's going to be, maybe the average of this season, and then you know you, you use some of your priors based on last season. Now it is the hardest thing with these guys that are in their second years. I mean, specifically, it's the hardest with the first year. Then uh, and then it kind of gets easier and easier as it goes on, but. These guys are just, when it comes to also these like sort of transcendent talent types, and I would put Doncic in that category, it is difficult. I will say he's probably at this point probably making it easy on us from the sense that I just probably don't want to pay 11000 for him on this slate. So I don't think we had to. I think there's plenty of other mid-tier value to just be a little bit more excited about. I, maybe a better question would be, would you rather play Doncic at eleven or Trey at ten? right? Like is the $10,000 savings on, a, on Young on FanDuel enough? to to kind of pivot there right like do you get enough yes, safety I, I think it is okay so then that, and then then and then, then yeah. the answer probably becomes pretty easy then right about like whether or not because if you're willing to say that that quickly on trey i think there are other plays below them too that are interesting so i think for that probably lands donches is not a cash game play i don't really see any of these other dallas guys as cash game plays either because he still soaks up a decent amount of what they do this team doesn't has had very few assists over the last few games specifically last game i mean donch had five that led the team Chris Apps has not really been playing enough minutes, has not been very good, and it's and they're just playing some of these bench guys just enough minutes to cut into the starters. So I, I don't know. Outside of Luka, on a, on a big slate, Dallas is usually not where I want to go. And then we have the Suns. 
Yeah, we went on. I went on a little limb the other day about bumping uh, DeAndre Ayton's minutes up, and it worked because he had it's like one of his best games of the season. And we went for 17 and 15 with three steals and two blocks. He played 40 minutes for a center. So I, the reason I'm saying that is because that's out of like a random, some, you know, Andre Drummond runs. We don't get 40 minutes out of centers from really almost ever, right? Like that's just not. And especially, and by the way, not even 40 minutes. Like he's consistently been playing like 36, 37 minutes yep. for the Suns. That's that's kind of the number that I really want to focus on here. Is there, is there just enough safety in Aiton's performance slash just how much the Phoenix is willing to just have him on the court that he might still be coming too cheap at center? I think he is coming too cheap. I think 7,700 is very, very reasonable for him. And, you know, I've been kind of banging this drum ever since he came back, which is that this guy looked absolutely phenomenal. And the first, was it just after the first game of the season? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember when he, when he got suspended, but looked terrific. And has looked nothing short of terrific since coming back. And as they've eased him into a bigger role, the price has come up, but not enough. Uh, the price has not even come up like 10%, basically, since he transitioned from being a high 20s uh, to low 30s guy into a mid to high 30s minutes guy. So, yeah, still value to be had here. Uh, even if Dallas isn't the absolutely ideal matchup, I think it's still fine. And don't look at the two tough games against Indy and San Antonio. Uh, definitely look at the broader body of work since he returned, which is... Just automatic double-double, sort of 20-10 and 10 guy uh, with great defensive stat upside. So That was the um, exact case I made for him last game as a cash play. I was trying to explain to our chatters. I was like, he's been there. People like, oh, Jonas or DeAndre Ayton. I was like, dude, easily DeAndre Ayton here at the minutes. Like, he's going to outplay him in minutes as long as the game stays close by like 10 to 20%. And he's gone, the, the price is down because he's gone through a really bad run of defensive matchups. Right? It was like, I'm not looking at it now, but yeah. I think it was like San Antonio twice and Denver once. I can't, it was something like that. Where and, and maybe even like an Indiana thrown in there. So this was... He had been, they had been through a four-game stretch of where the price was just pushed down because of who they were playing. And so I think we're still getting him at very much a value. I think they want to play him. I will call, and by the way, Baines and Kaminsky are still out, so they really don't have anywhere to go for size. I think, you're, I think these minutes floor, again, as long as the game stays close, he has an incredibly high minutes floor. Rubio is questionable. I want to caution people by saying that even if Elia Kobo was to start, um, he really probably wouldn't be a cash game play for me. He does very little on the court when he has to get on the court with the starters, like with Booker and Ubre, and he does not close for this team. Like he's not in their closing lineup. So even if he starts 25 minutes is about the max that you're going to get out of this guy. He's just not going to be on the court if the game's close at the end because they'll go defensive style. They'll bring in bridges and they'll just have Booker. And he won't, he won't play the point when he's out there. Anyway, Ex exactly. So. Like and Booker's going to run the point. So, this is one of those ones where, yeah, maybe more minutes, even at the minimum. I'm, I don't think I'd be all that interested. We might have the news on Rubio. It's, it's been looking like Rubio's been playing hurt over the short term, so maybe he just does need a break. He's been really so bad uh, over the last like mm -hmm. week or so. Um, but I think we'll have that news ahead of time. And if Rubio's sad, I wouldn't mind a lot of minutes out of Ubre here as well, uh, and probably pretty high usage. Ubre's still putting up a lot. Of, still got up 19 shots in the last game against Memphis. Uh, Aiton had 19, and then Booker had 24. So Ubre has been able to sort of capitalize even as the price has gone up. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. You know the deal. DFSR.com slash deals. We'll get you started on a free seven-day trial to our projection system. Powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optimal lineups, FanDuel and DraftKings, NBA, NHL, uh, MLB when the play comes on the pike. We covered all under one subscription package. We don't section it off by sport or provider or whatever the, some of these other sites do. If we offer it, you get it. One of the best deals in the industry. So go check it out. DFSR.com slash deals. Buddy, enjoy your Tuesday in the association. So long.